Hello and welcome to A Graduate's Guide 2 with me, Molly CP. Expect bursts of profanity, plenty of early 2000s references and an obsession with our words from the outset of this podcast and throughout. Hello my lovelies, my queens and everything in between. Welcome to another episode of A Graduate's Guide 2 with me, Molly CP. Today we are going to be having a bit of boy talk and talking about male mental health. So just a trigger warning, there will be discussions of suicide, mental health illnesses, among other slightly more sensitive topics. Firstly, I thought I'd start on the lighter end of things and talk about boys and why I just love them. Obviously not all boys, but there are a lot of men in the male species that are wonderful. So what my, I guess, type is, I've noticed I don't necessarily go for the same looks wise. However, I do like the same style of boys. I love boys that are really stylish and kind of dressed, I guess like Depop vibes. So they get vintage stuff off Depop, maybe designer stuff, so like baggy sweatshirts, the big t-shirts, kind of baggy jeans, but you know, like, I don't know, it's just a vibe and I love it. Maybe, oh, when boys wear necklaces, oh, sofa, you can like grab onto it. Obviously, consensually, guys, obviously. Um, and since coming to Southern Uni, I've just fallen in love with the Southern accent. I know there are so many dialects, but not, I don't know, the Northern one doesn't really do it for me anymore. Obviously, Northern guys out there doesn't mean you should listen to me because I'm just bullshitting. But personally, I prefer the Southern accent. I love boys with lighter eyes, so green or blue eyes. And yeah, I mean, I just like someone who doesn't take themselves too seriously and kind of fun, like pick fun of you a little bit. <laughs> Not like bullying, but you know, you can just have like banter together. I think that's always really good. And there's some weird things I've realised that like really fit in boys that, I don't know, I've just like picked up on. I've noticed in the library for guys like crouching down to help a girl with her work. I, I don't know why it's just really fit. Can't explain it. But it is. Obviously, like, morning voice, it's hot. Certain stuff in the bedroom, it's hot. Um, you know, we love to see it. So, what I'm attracted, attracted to, sorry, in the general sense of boys, just from a sexual and, I guess, dating, hooking up perspective. But what I do think is one of the sexiest things a guy can do platonically or in a romantic relationship or, like, sexual relationship is be honest about their feelings. A boy who can open up and show their emotions... Is literally so fucking sexy. I can't even explain. Like, if they're open with how they feel about you or like about life, or if they're going through something, there is nothing hotter than a boy opening up and being in tune with their emotions and being able to speak when they're not having a good time. When I was in my temporary quarantine for 24 hours, when my housemate Lily got false positive, I watched a Roman Kemp documentary when he spoke about his friend at Capital who took his own life and then he was speaking about male mental health and the statistic which I found really interesting was that three quarters of men find it difficult to speak to others about their struggles and the same day his friend was found dead in his apartment the police had said and I don't know if this is in the London area or just on call that day but seven other men have been found to have taken their own life which is just heartbreaking to think. It was the morning and they'd already found eight people dead. 
because of mental health and taking their own life. I've briefly spoken about mental health on my channel, like my mini episode I did in the middle of the week, and how it is a very taboo subject, but I know like for me it feels like a taboo subject, but for men it is even more, I don't know, there's like a lot of shame put on it, and men feel it can be embarrassing or puts them in a vulnerable position if they talk about themselves having any kind of weakness, whether that is emotional or physical. And I think at times, I do think we're slowly moving away from this, but other people in their lives, this can be male or female, won't necessarily take it seriously. You hear a lot of boys who would say when they were growing up, their fathers would say, be a man, you don't cry, you know, real men don't cry and blah, 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 blah. And it's the other way around. Real men do cry. Real men show their emotions and are able to talk about them. And even if you struggle, that of course you are a real man. But I mean, it's one of the manliest things you can do to speak out when you're struggling. I do feel like a lot of boys, when they are going through something, may try and laugh it off or just be like, oh no, mate, I'm fine. Like, don't worry, it's not that deep. When in reality, they're struggling a lot internally. When Roman Kemp showed pictures of his friend leading up to his suicide he said he was so happy and laughing with all his mates he had photos of him smiling and he said it was so heartbreaking to think during that time he was going through such emotional turmoil that led him to do what he did I'm just going to run through some statistics just to kind of emphasize the crisis male mental health is going through currently three times as many men as women die by suicide Men aged 40 to 49 have the highest suicide rate in the UK, which I personally found really surprising because I know I am stereotyping a little bit, but this is just my view. Don't take it as gospel. But typically, if I hear a man of that age, I'll assume their career's at the best point or at least they're progressing in their career in some way or another. They have a house, they have a family, they have a partner. They're living the dream. But in reality, let's say a man does have all of this, the um familial and professional success that doesn't mean that emotions are as positive a lot of the time depression can be a chemical thing so it's just the way your brain's wired it doesn't always have to be responsive or reactive depression so i think that often brings for men and women a lot of shame upon depression because they'll say well my life is nice i don't deserve to be depressed or ignorant people may even say that to them so therefore they feel it's not valid and they don't want to speak about it and feel like a burden which is often, as we know, what leads to suicide. It says that men are less likely to accept psychological therapies than women. Only 36% of the NHS referrals to talking therapies are for men. So that means that 64% of women are being referred for talking therapies. So well over half, meaning that men either losing confidence to go speak to the NHS or just don't feel they're worthy of it. It says nearly three quarters of adults who go missing are men and that men are nearly three times as likely as a woman to become dependent on alcohol and three times as more likely to report frequent drug use. And I think that is often because men or boys will tend to keep their emotions bottled up a lot so they will find other suppressants such as alcohol to forget about their issues or drugs to numb the pain, which then can become a really dangerous addiction in itself and ultimately lead to death. So despite this being a short-term fix for the emotional turmoil, it ultimately is more dangerous in the long run and can cause more depression. It says that men are more likely to compulsory be detained for treatment than women. So that means that men are more likely to be 
forced into mental health treatment other than women because it gets to the point where they have no choice and it's been taken out of their hands. I think it's amazing that more men are starting to speak out about their mental health struggles and not only mental health but body image issues. For example, I watched, um, I think it's about three or four days ago, Jamie Lang from Made in Chelsea's story. And he posted a really powerful video, which is still on his feed, by the way, I went and checked, about male mental health and physical insecurities with weight. He said he used to struggle with being slightly overweight when he was younger. And he just felt so insecure about it. And he ended up going the other way and not eating enough. And effectively I wouldn't go as far as saying he starved himself but he definitely didn't give himself the nutrients he deserved and I think many mental health and body image issues are stereotypically attached to women such as body dysmorphia or eating disorders when a lot of men go through these struggles as well but because they are viewed as feminine issues men feel emasculated that they suffer with them and therefore are so much more less likely to speak about these issues in terms of anorexia nervosa specifically it says it and this is on nida feeding hope so it's an eating disorder charity it says at any given point in time between 0.3 to 0.4 percent of young women will suffer from anorexia nervosa and 0.1 percent of men which really isn't that different at all. And it shows that the media are so biased with their coverage to do with certain mental health disorders and subjects that we're just so unaware of this struggle and just the heartbreaking thing that a lot of men go through and we're never aware of. Also, I feel like in terms of bodies, there's a lot more jokes about men's appearance. Like I saw recently someone put up about Zac Efron's, apparently someone thinks he's had filler or Botox, and people are just belittling him on the internet and just making it so funny. Same with Jonah Hill's weight fluctuating. You constantly see things on the Daily Mail bashing him. And he's actually come out and spoken out against this. But there's such a double standard that I know women are constantly a victim of this. I've seen it, you know, in front of trashy magazines for years. But I feel like with men, it's not pulled upon as much. People just let others get away with it and see it as funny when it should be taken as seriously as body shaming women. Similarly to what I said earlier, I feel a lot of men will try and laugh off these jokes, even if they do hurt inside more than they'd like to admit. So I think that is something that's important to take into consideration when you like make a joke about someone. Don't get me wrong, I, you know, like it's fun to like pick fun at each other and take the mick and stuff, but I feel that some boys may be more sensitive to others about it. So I think it is definitely a read the room sort of situation or Let's say someone makes a joke just once, you know, like you brush it off, you're like, yeah, whatever. But maybe if it comes a continuous thing, just take that person aside, which I know is really intimidating to confront someone. But I'm sure your mate would much rather know that you're obsessing them than then just continue with doing it. Because a lot of time we'll make jokes with people and not realise it's hurting their feelings. So I think it's always important to say something. If it's upsetting you, I'm sure your friend would really want to help with that. On the subject of friends... Um, I think it's really important, male or female or whatever gender you identify as, to always check in on your friends. When I was, I think I was in year nine, I might have been year 10, the charity The Samaritans came into my school and they said in terms of checking in on your friends, you should always ask, how are you feeling? Not are you okay? Because when you say how are you feeling, they're forced to give a more detailed answer. Like, yeah, sure, they might still say I'm fine. But if you say to someone, are you okay? They can just go, yeah. They don't have to create a response and if they are struggling, they don't, have, it's not as easy to hide their emotions. 
And also a really good thing I saw Roman Kemp say is ask your friend twice. So if you're unsure if your friend is okay and they say, yes, or I'm fine the first time, ask them a second time. On his documentary, um, a boy commented on his Instagram and said that he asked his friend a second time. And then the friend just broke down and said that he is actually feeling suicidal and going through a lot at the moment. So it really made the difference pushing with that second time and showing you really care about someone. And I think it's also with boys breaking through that toxic masculinity and saying to your mate, hey mate, like I am always here by the way. I know like we don't talk about this a lot, but if you're struggling or going through something, I am here for you. And I think just for anyone saying, reminding people that they're not a burden, because I think a lot of people who struggle with mental health or suicidal thoughts feel they're a burden to their family when they're not. And their family would be heartbroken to think that. And I think that is often what leads to suicide is people think, oh, they'll be better off without me. It's what their brain's telling them. And it's just not true. So I think that's a really important thing to emphasise someone a lot because you hope that it will just, I guess, help them open up more and remind them constantly that they are loved and cared for. We'll leave um, some information in the description of this podcast, but some charities that are very useful for people, whatever your gender, going through mental health. There's Calm, which is the campaign against living miserably, and they have a mental health helpline and web chat. So if you don't feel comfortable talking over the phone, there is their alternative option. There's also one specifically for men called Mental Med. Sorry, I do apologise. Men's Health Forum, which is a twenty four seven stress support for men by text, chat, and email. So again, you have lots of options there if you feel comfortable talking on different platforms. Mind is a really great charity. I actually have a family friend who works at Mind and it is just the most wonderful, incredible charity. And it says on the NHS website, they promote the views and needs of people with mental health problems and they have a phone number, which I am going to read out in case some people don't look at the description or just need that instant help. It's 0300 and they're available Monday to Friday, 9am to 6pm. And this is a really good one for OCD, which I do struggle with personally. But there's OCD Action that supports people with OCD, includes information on treatment and online resources. I think it's really great when I'm looking at NHS website as we speak that there's so many specific mental health charities for those with specific struggles or illnesses. And... On this NHS link, it's basically called, and I'm sure you can just type it in on Google, it's called Get Help from a Mental Health Charity Helpline. So it has plenty of different resources on there to do with drug addiction, abuse, relationships. I also thought I'd give a list of male celebrities who struggle with their mental health because I feel when you hear someone who's using the public eye constantly struggling, I think it provides a lot of comfort I definitely feel like that when I hear female actresses, celebrities speak out about their mental health struggles. It makes you feel less alone, I feel personally. So Pete Davidson, who's an actor and comedian, suffers from borderline personality disorder and suffers with suicidal thoughts. Dwayne The Rock Johnson suffers with depression. Zayn Malik struggles, and I don't know if this is the past or the present, with an eating disorder and anxiety. And those are just the ones I've got listed here, but Roman Kemp on his documentary does speak about his personal struggles and the fact that he's been on antidepressant slash anti-anxiety medication since he was a teenager. So prior to the fame and all that kind of pressure, 
which just so shows that mental health can happen to everyone and it isn't always reactive or responsive but if it is reactive or responsive that's okay too i think definitely in terms of girls and guys and anyone having those open conversations with your friends can really help so maybe not necessarily putting one friend on the spot but just having those open discussions with your friends can be really helpful and make you feel less alone because i've recently struggled with a bit body confidence and stuff and weight and whatever and then having that open discussion with my house really helped because I felt less alone and just got you know we had an honest truthful discussion and I just think it was really helpful so I think encouraging your housemates your friends your family members to speak out and take away the taboo and stereotypes of mental health can be really really useful and I know I've already listed a lot of resources and I will list them in the description but Honestly, getting help is the best thing you can do for yourself. I know it's scary and intimidating, but taking that first step is the scariest bit and it gets easier from here on out. Asking for medication or therapy or just any support is so helpful. Again, I'm going to speak about Roman Kemp, but I just found that documentary so informative. His father um, struggled with mental health, I think, after he had a brain tumour. So for him, therapy helped. For Roman, medication helped. Mental health is a personal journey and therefore it's personal recovery and everyone will have different tools which help them get to the best headspace possible. So I just thought I'd give some recommendations which talk about living with mental illness and a lot of these are more, they're biographies but they're not as in a self-help guide, they're just people speaking about their own personal experiences. One example is A Beautiful Mind by Sylvia Nassar and it's about the powerful story of a mathematical genius whose brilliant career was cut short by schizophrenia and lived with intense delusions for the better part of 30 years. He was also honoured with a Nobel Prize. And it's also been adapted into a film with Russell Crowe and Jennifer Connelly in case you fancy watching the film version instead. A book for younger listeners or adult listeners all the same, this is just a young adult novel, is All the Bright Places by Jennifer Niven. And it discusses an ideal for anyone who struggles to understand that even with the wealth of love for someone, it isn't always possible to save them. And All the Bright Places touches on how important it is to treasure every moment with a loved one. It's a very sad book, but there's a lot of hope and the writing style is beautiful according to reviews. And finally, I thought this book sounds amazing. It's called First We Make the Beast Beautiful, A New Journey Through Anxiety by Sarah Wilson. Sarah is a journalist, ex-reality TV host, sugar quitter, and author whose life has been impacted by insomnia, bulimia, OCD, depression, mania, and bipolar disorder. And this book is slightly more factual, in case you're into that sort of thing over fiction. It's, um, it delves into the scientific research, facts and figures behind anxiety disorders, as well as Sarah's individual experience and coping strategies. She recommends consciously exploring anxiety and accepting it to discover what can teach you about the beauty of life. And I think that book sounds really lovely. And I definitely think after all my assignments are done, I'll be giving it a read myself. That is the end of the episode. I really hope you enjoyed it. And I definitely want to speak about men and male mental health on my channel, channel, podcast more but this was just a kind of introductory episode to a tool and I really hope that if you are a guy this really will help you encourage to seek help if you so need it and yes lots of love to you all and I will talk to you all next week